Welcome to the Verso Alto podcast, a Catholic podcast for teens by teens. Today we are talking about Advent, or as I like to call it, pre-Christmas. And today we are welcomed by Thierry and Sophia Vincent, our announcer, and of course myself, Teresa. And welcome to St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish as we get ready for the month of December. What do you want to tell people about Advent? Just the traditions surrounding it, things like Advent calendars or Jesse trees, some that you're probably familiar with, some that you might not be familiar with. So the history of Advent, it's not really known when the period of preparation started, but it was definitely in existence around 480 AD. And it was introduced by the Council of tours in 567. The idea of fasting every day in the month of December until Christmas was introduced by the Council of Tours in 560. That's kind of how some of the Advent started. One of the things my family does, my mom and my grandma have actually led classes and done things at our house where people we will make Jesse tree set. So the Jesse tree, if you're not familiar with, is a tradition where you, Jesus came from the stump of Jesse, as it is written in Isaiah, and you have a small tree, a plastic tree, and each day during Advent, you read from Adam and Eve all the way throughout salvation history, recounting certain events that will lead to Christ's birth. And there's an ornament that goes with it. So the story of Adam and Eve, you have an apple and a snake. And you have like boat for Noah's Ark. And different things representing the different passages. And it's been a tradition of family forever. What are some things like? Can I have one question? So you start out with a small Jesse tree. So evergreen tree? Yes, just any plastic tree. So it's a mini small tree. And then you put ornaments on it that go throughout salvation history until the birth of Christ. So you you understand what you're saying. Like this tiny little plastic tree is holding it's not ornaments like, from all over like salvation history. How is it going to stand up? The tree is like a foot and a half tall. And how big are the ornaments? They're small. They're giant. So... It's also the month of December, so there's 20, or I think there's 25 mm-hmm. ornaments. Each, each so it's kind of like an advent calendar. Yeah, essentially. Each family can do it a little bit differently. We have homemade little figurines as well. But like at our school that Vincent and I go to, it's a Catholic school. So every morning we walk into the foyer and we actually have, I think it's like a five foot or a six foot Christmas tree. It's like a normal sized Christmas yeah. tree. And the students... I've colored these paper ornament ornaments that have the they each depict a different story depiction. from the by the readings that you read and so each morning they'll have a student go up and they'll say a prayer and then they'll read the bible passage and then hang the ornament on the tree so instead of having figurines it's actually a, a paper ornament instead so it's you can do it in multiple different ways but the idea that you're going through salvation history you're reading specific stories from the bible 
and you're remembering Jesus's family line. That's the important part of it. So that's exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about. All right. Gotcha. And are those from the readings of the day that they follow it or is it no, specific? Specific. So they might line up with the readings for the day. I don't know. But you, you read certain parts, the main parts from the patriarchs and prophets. And all the covenants. And all like, the covenants. Gotcha. Yes. Throughout salvation history. We ha- I think there's a certain thing you, you read if you do Jesse Tree, but then you read the Bible passage that follows along with that. Mm-hmm. But it's an, it might fit with the, the day, like maybe Christmas. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. In in my family, at the dinner table, we have an Advent wreath. And there are certain prayers that you use every single night. Like the first week during Advent, prayers are said by the youngest child in the family. And then the second week, I believe, is the oldest child and then so on and so forth. And I I used to hate that because I'm the middle child and I never got a chance to read. So that really kind of me out, you know. And I just loved the fact that we got to light candles every night, mm. which was wonderful in the wintertime, especially when it's dark. It seems to bring more ambiance and more light to the dinner table. But that was something that we used to do all the time. And I thought it was something that was required by the Catholic Church until I started working for the Catholic Church. And then I just realized after researching it more and more that the Advent wreath isn't a requirement for liturgy at all. It's just a devotional. So, but it is tradition after mm-hmm. all. And it's something that every church I've ever been in always, always had an Advent wreath during Advent. Something my dear. Would do was send us a pink calendar, countdown to Christmas, get chocolate every single day to Christ. So, what did the Council of Tours think of chocolate every day? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, I, I bet if they heard that today, they'd just go, What? Yeah. Vincent and I, our, our Advent nightly routine consists of like what is like it? Eight ten different, different things that we do each night. The Advent wreath, like Teresa said, where we light a candle each night. And then we have like three other Advent wreaths that are that like hang on our wall. They're like fake ones that we made in kindergarten or something. And then we have a wooden advent calendar. Um it's like a wooden tree that has little wooden ornaments. That my mom absolutely loves doing. That's like her favorite thing. And then Jesse we've tree. got the Jesse tree. We've got two different two Lego, Lego calendars. calendars. And then we have on the computer, my Nana sends us this. She pays for it, but she sends this Advent ca- calendar. And each year it's in a different city. So last year, where was it? I don't remember, but it's, it's, it's been, been in, in like Edinburgh. Edinburgh. So they, it's like the whole, whole thing. And so each night you go and you watch a little video and... Sometimes it's these little bears, like cartoon bears, like sledding down a hill or going skiing or ice skating, or there's sound where they're making cookies or they're making a dessert from this area. And then after you watch the video, you can go and read the meaning behind the video. So there's also like paintings that they'll show and all these different things. And it's just a, yeah, it's a fun little thing that 
everyone on the cruise side of our family does. So. So when do you think that whenever it begins is a good time to begin? So it's supposed to be a four week period of preparation before the coming of Christ. And sometimes it's four weeks and sometimes it's three weeks and a day or what have you, depending on where, where Christmas falls. But I find it infuriating that before Halloween, Christmas decorations are up and then the Christmas season begins on Christmas Day and then the day after Christmas, everybody's done with Christmas. And it's yeah. actually liturgically for us, we're just beginning the Christmas season, yet everybody's already over it because they've been celebrating Christmas since October 20th or something. So how do you keep yourself in an Advent preparation state? I kind of see all the Christmas decorations going up and kind of air of Christmas starting to go off. It's kind of like anticipation Christmas that when you finally get to it, it's like an uphill climb to get to Christmas. And when you get there, the top and it stays that way for a while after Christmas because you're just so full of joy. And then once, and then it kind of starts to go on a decline once, once the Christmas season ends. After three wise men show up. So something else we do in our house is we hide baby Jesus and we don't put him in our nativity scenes until Christmas Day. And something else we do is we have these little pieces of yarn. And it was really big when we were little. But whenever we did something good for someone else, like if we were out in public or something, we got home and our mom would let us put a little piece of yarn in the manger all during Lent so that by the time it got to Christmas Jesus had like a soft place to lay in the manger oh that's wonderful I wonder if it's too late for me to do that with my three young adult children (laughs) maybe not I think I'll just let them know yeah my mom gets really annoyed when like all the radio stations turn off their Christmas music like a day after no what are you supposed to look I I know and so to help us stay in that Christmas spirit our magi and their camels don't actually, they don't reside at the nativity place. All during Advent, they stay like in the farthest corner of our house away from the nativity scene. I mean, and then the day after Christmas, we start journeying them <laughs> around the house and then finally take it to, to Jesus on the, the 12th day of Christmas. That's funny. I know our three wise men make it around the living room. It's a, it's a trek for them, too, because they're not very big. But, yeah, I, I, I like those little traditions that you have, you know, just to keep it keep it going. Last year, I left a week before Christmas to go to Dutch Harbor, and I had to put baby Jesus in the manger, you know, before Christmas. Oh, my goodness, I know. And so I took a picture of all of our decorations and everything, and someone on social media said, Jesus isn't, isn't born yet. You're not supposed to have him there. And I'm like... Okay, well, he was born 2,000 years ago. It's just a symbol. Thank you. So, But I agree. You know, like it's always been that way. We hide baby Jesus, you know, and we're preparing for it. Uh, and I think also the important thing for us as Catholics, not just preparing for the birth of Christ to come in December and what have you, but for the second coming. They say it's a, a period of preparation and are, are we really preparing for the second coming or are we still just 
preparing for the birth of Christ and really waiting for Santa Claus to come and all the all the things that go with it. Are we actively thinking about that? And as teenagers, I want to know, I mean, do you ever think about the second coming? Of- yes, it definitely makes you think, like, what, what do I need to change in my life? And if Jesus, if I knew Jesus was coming, like, in two weeks, or if I knew the time that God was coming, what would I be doing right now to change my life? And sometimes you're like, oh, but I'm in school, and, you know, I have all these things to balance out. But it's really, are you doing what you're called to do in each moment? If it's your duty to go to school, to study, you need to do that because you're doing God's will for you right there and then, but still keep up your prayer life and, you know, go to Mass, receive the sacrament. And I think just really helps you balance out your life and thinking, what what should I not be doing and what should I be doing in preparation for this day? I think it can also be very hard. Or it can be hard to remember about the second coming and and to not get swept up in oh well I, I'm too busy doing this and that and that I think Advent is when it really like the priests start talking about it more in mass and so you start thinking about it more but once you get back to the ordinary time especially after Easter and you're back ordinary time it, it can get hard to remember that like I need to be ready for Jesus whenever he may come because his timing is not our timing. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> okay. All right. So tell me a little bit about the Advent wreath and what do the candles signify? And not every Advent wreath usually has a Savior candle in the middle. So the first week of Advent is represented by a violet candle. Which means what? The color purple or? Just the candle means what? The first candle means hope. Hope. Hope for what? Christ. When in doubt, say Christ. A savior. No, he's not wrong. I mean, you know, so I just. He's very concise. Christ. It's so good. He's not wrong. So the second candle, uh, which is also a violet candle, represents. Faith, love. Love. Love, mm-hmm. which could be seen as faith in a way. And love represents the love that we should have. In our faith. Everyone in our yeah. faith. And that we are called to love everyone, even our enemies. Well, you're on a roll. Keep going. The third candle is a rose candle, and it represents joy because there are three violet candles and one rose candle, and so that we for the last week before Christmas. It's kind of a rejoice because even though we are in this time of repentance and deep reflection, remember to have joy because Jesus is coming. The fourth and final... Wait, wait, wait. Go back. (laughs) There's a big word that the Catholic Church uses to talk about that week. On the uh, Sunday of the week, that we light the rose candle. We call that Sunday Gaudaute Sunday. Pretty good. Yes, it's a big word. How do you spell that? Never mind. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> A-A-T. 
She might be right. I'm not sure. <laughs> in front of you guys. Okay. The fourth candle is as also a violet candle, and that represents peace. It's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Everything in the tin is fake. The fourth candle, it that we we focus on peace because Jesus is going to come into the world on Christmas and. That's going to cause kind of an uproar later in his life. So just focusing on the peace that he had when he was born and the shepherds coming to go see him or going to go see him. Well, and the Messiah is called to bring peace. You know, yes. Everybody was praying for their their whole yeah. lifetimes for the Messiah to come so that he would restore the kingdom and that peace in their lives, I think. Because it's, I'm sure it wasn't peaceful when the Romans were in charge, you know, and, and maybe Probably not. not when the Assyrians were in charge or the Persians or were in charge that. or even now. Right. Thank you very much. Even now we need peace in our families, in our communities, in our country, in our world. So definitely needs a full week of peace, even though this year I don't think we're going to get a full week of Peace. So, and Great. then sometimes in the center of your wreath, there'll be a white candle. I know that in the center of our wreath, we have a little piece of a tree stump. It's a small tree stump, but it has like a little berry on the side and a little white tea light. It's really nice. But that's the Savior candle. And so we light that on Christmas just to remember that the Savior is coming to the world. And these type of leaves that are around the advent wreath, do they represent something in particular? The evergreen branches that usually surround the advent wreath, evergreens are known to stay green and... Hence the word... Hence the green, yes, evergreen. And they're a sign of like everlasting life. Very good. Yep. Awesome. Wow, your theology teacher is going to be so proud of you. <laughs> Excellent. Well, your parents should be. I think it's just awesome what you guys are doing. What else do we want people to know about Advent? Maybe these are less common now, but on December 6th, St. Oh, Nicholas okay. Day, our family has always and we get gold coins and and all sorts of Nuts. Nuts. Oh, get nuts. Yeah, we get nuts and oranges and little candy things, but those types. My son Nicholas, on St. Nicholas Day, used to put out all of his shoes. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think I had enough stuff to put in his (laughs) shoes, you know. I mean, we had an entire mudroom full of shoes and butt out in front of his. his, It would be like (laughs) all of these shoes. I thought that was just there. He would do that. At our school, the teachers always make little goodie bags for us. And so when we go in on December 6th, if we have school that day, there'll be little goodie bags with mm-hmm. chocolate coins. Even so, I might not remember this, but before COVID, I guess a couple of years before COVID, we would actually put out like our gym shoes and shoes we had buying around the school. And the teachers would actually put the, the candy in our shoes. And so it was actually more of like centered towards St. Nicholas Day, but now after COVID, we've just done goodie bags instead of 
worrying about all the shoes in the school. So Advent is actually the beginning of the liturgical calendar. So it's like brand new year for Catholics. Our new year. Exactly. Okay. I'm going to erase that part. But anyway. Darn. No, no, not your singing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so it's our brand new year for us. And liturgically speaking, there are certain things that, that happen in the Mass and that don't happen in the Mass. So we don't sing the Gloria during Advent. Did you know that? Yes. We do sing the Gospel Acclamation. We do sing the Alleluia as the Gospel Acclamation as opposed to Lent. When we say, you know, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, as opposed to the hallelujah, because we're not allowed to say the A word during Lent. You know. But there's no Gloria. And then December 8th, which is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, which is a holy day of obligation this year. Of course. Yes. We do sing the Gloria. Did you know that? I did know that. Yes. It's a special Because it is. It's a special celebration. And what color do we wear? White. What? And white. <laughs> because well, this year, Father most... Scott will be wearing white with blue. <laughs> Hopefully. With yep. his, new, his new stole. I believe during Advent season, some time ago, Sister Loretta and Sister John used to tell me they did psalms called the O Antiphons. Yeah, the O Antiphons have been sung at least since the 8th century. They are Antiphons that accompany the Magnificat Canticle of the Evening Prayer from December 17th to 23rd. They are a magnificent theology that uses ancient biblical imagery drawn from the Messianic books of the Old Testament to pro proclaim the coming Christ as the fulfillment, not only as the Old Testament hopes, but present ones as well. They are a special special psalms that we that are sung during evening prayer that just help to greater amplify our our anticipation for Christ. Like O come, O come Emmanuel. What other what other ones are there, Sophia? Oh little town. Ooh, that's another one. What other O antiphon is there? I don't think that's I like that I one. <laughs> I think Vincent might be right in his own time. O King of all nations, Keystone. Okay. O Radiant Dawn, Splendor of Eternal Light, and Son of Justice. O Key of David, Opening the Gates of God's Eternal Kingdom. O Root of Death, Jesse's Stem. And O Leader of the House of Israel. And O Wisdom of our God Most High. Oh, those are good. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, you're being thought of while they're singing the O Antiphons. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I think the Advent season is highly overlooked and kind of quashed during the secular season of Christmas. It is a beautiful time for us to prepare. Is there anything else you guys want to say to your young audience about Advent? I don't think so. Wow, that covers everything. All right. So, we'll let people know about all of the things. All of the things. Well, ooh, before we do, we should do one of those crazy things. Like, you Easter? know, like your favorite. You know, 
Crazy Marvel things. character. Oh, or your favorite. Okay. Favorite reindeer. You have to let me think about this. It's a deep question. Really? Yeah. They've all got different characteristics, and if you choose the wrong one, you'll see in vain and persistent. I think a Prancer. I gotta be Prancer. Uh, Donner's pretty cool, too. I'm definitely not Rudolph. <laughs> Mari, you're Rudolph. Just so you know. Oh. I think I have mine. I think my favorite is Cupid, because I see, I kind of see them all as guys, just because, you know. They're really not. I know, because, like, but still, I feel like Cupid is, like, he's the guy that's, like, pulling all the girls, you know? Like, Cupid, like, he yeah, shoots them yeah. with his arrow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cupid? Yes, yeah. I know Cupid is a reindeer. But, like, he's named Cupid for a reason. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, like, women have one guy friend that kind of rallies all the troops. You're Cupid. <laughs> all right, Siri, your favorite reindeer. Listen. Ooh, what? Those can be Blitzen. It's what fine. Thing? There's not a lot of reindeer to choose from. Okay. Well, as we end our podcast, Kateri's going to tell you about all the things, our website, our email address, and how you can get a hold of us. Please like and subscribe. Hit the follow button on Spotify, Amazon Music. Where else? Samsung Podcasts, YouTube. Please visit our website at verisoaltopodcast.com and email in any suggestions you have or prayer requests at verisoaltopodcast at gmail.com. And please follow us at on Instagram at verisoaltopodcast. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Listen to us on Spotify, Amazon Music, all of those things, right? Did you say all of those things? Isn't there some more? There's more though. Like there, it's on Google Podcast now too. Is Did it? you know that? Yeah. Oh my gosh! I think the only one we're not on is Apple. Oh yeah. So we are on all the things. Send us your prayer requests. And yeah, thank you, Vincent. This yeah, is, this is a joy. You're going to have to be a regular. I know. <laughs> Would you close us? How about how about we close in an antiphon instead? Which? Oh, come on, come on. <laughs> No? Okay. Okay. Well, you know what, Vincent? You get to close okay. us in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the, the Holy Spirit, Spirit. As it was in the beginning, beginning is now, and ever shall be, world without Amen. end. Amen. In the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Ah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.